Romans 14 verses 1 through 12. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Verse 7. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. All right. <clears throat> Last Bible study, uh, we took a look at a few things. Firstly, we saw how proper love is the fulfillment of the law. We are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And you are not able to properly love your neighbor when you are sinning against them. Paul used the example of, or Paul cited uh, adultery, murder, stealing, and coveting as an example of sins that are happening. And he kind of said uh, an older form of etc. just to uh, cover the rest of the bases that um, when you are sitting in that way, you are not loving your neighbor as you are loving yourself. Even furthermore, you, you are not loving uh, uh, yourself properly when you are falling into sin. Uh, when you commit sin, you are either not loving your neighbor properly and or not loving yourself properly. Um, Paul also took the time to uh, make us aware that the time for salvation is currently upon us. There's no need to uh, wait around and waste time. Time to seek refuge in Christ is now. The cross has already happened, and you are able to be made new in Christ and delight in his wonderful and holy grace. You're able to be at peace with God while standing upon the riches of his grace. All right. Now, in Romans 14, we are going to be taking a deeper look at an example uh, that shows um, a proper application of the love that Christians should show to each other. Um, yeah. All that being said, uh, let's get into these verses. Romans 14, verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. So, the unity of the church is uh, far more important over issues that are not relevant to the core of the gospel or 
are not relevant to sin, but uh, rather these issues are relevant to the strength of the faith of the individual. Um, we see a similar theme later in Romans 15.1, which says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. And we also see uh, this theme displayed in 1 Corinthians 8, 9 through 11. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you, who you have knowledge eating an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. And we also see it in 1 Corinthians 9.22. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. So, acting in a quarrelsome or argumentative way uh, in the matters of strength of faith will only present a stumbling block for those who are weak in faith. Rather than causing our brothers and sisters in Christ to stumble, we should seek unity as a proper application of love and to glorify God in both weakness and strength. Now, keep in mind, this is only uh, in relevance to these types of issues that are a matter of um, strength of faith. Um, Paul's response to disagreements over gospel issues is very different. We can see that in Galatians 1, 6-7, which says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, not that there is one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So, just a friendly reminder that there is no room for allowing another gospel to come over or to allow the gospel to be distorted for the sake of unity. Rather, um, this is a very particular thing where we are looking at the, the strength of one's faith and not in regards to sin and not in regards to the core of the gospel. It's a very morally indifferent issue. Um, but there are those who seek to distort the gospel and present a false one, and they may use verses like this to give them a justification for what they're presenting um, but the proper response to them is to not accept what they say don't don't try to be in union with them because when they're denying the gospel they are denying christ um that's just a important reminder when when talking about this type of stuff um romans 14 verse 2 one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables so now we are getting into the particular issue Paul is going to be addressing, the matter of food and drink, and we will also see in a few verses um, the religious observation of certain days. Um, now, this is a clear example of uh, an issue that is not a gospel issue. Um, I will not say to you that you're a heretic if, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan. That's, those, those things are not associated. I mean, vegetarianism does appear in the Old Testament versus like Daniel 1.12, although vegetarianism in the Old Testament is not, it's not mandated by any means. It does appear, but it's not, mandate, not mandated. Uh, the relevance of 
vegetarianism as an example in this verse. It could be in regards to the Romans, who they at this time have embraced uh, a vegetarian diet in order to uh, circumvent the issues with their conscience surrounding the association of meat with uh, pagan temple rituals, which uh, we can see that in uh, that being addressed in 1 Corinthians 8 through 10, which is why that 1 Corinthians uh, 8, 9 through 11 verse I cited um, just a second ago is talking about the, the idols and the food given up to idols and it's the general association of the meat that's given to idols. But could be addressing that, could not be. There, there's very close relevance between um, the 1 Corinthians uh, 8 through 10 and these verses that we're talking about here. Um, the weakness uh, aspect of this is uh, associated and rooted in the conscience, which bears guilt upon the people who are abstaining or who are wanting to abstain from the consumption of meat. Uh, despite what we see that food is no longer unclean, there is still a weight that is bearing down on their conscience about it. And uh, that is where, I guess, the weakness, the weak conscience, um, the weakness in, in faith, however you want to um, go with it, is uh, um, the vegetarian is, uh, if it, when they're abstaining from it because of this particular reason, it would be classified as a, a more weakness in, in faith. But... Um, Let's get, into the, let's get into the next verses. Uh, Romans 14, verses 3 through 4. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. He will be upheld. The Lord is able to make him stand. So, there is both a responsibility for the weak and the strong that they need to properly uphold. The strong must not pass judgment upon the weak um, for their bind to perhaps more legalistic tendencies, um, not knowing the, the freedom that they have in Christ. Um, and the weak must not judge the strong for the seemingly from their perspective, more lawless freedom that they have in Christ. Um, there is no need to pass judgment over each other um, in the, uh, a morally indifferent issue like this. Um, the great glory in this is that in the judgment not being passed over such issues, each individual is rendered to their master. But both of their masters are the Lord. The only reason we can have such unity is through the Lord. Only reason that we can put such issues aside is through his grace and peace. Um, we can put these aside because of the master who have bought us or have bought these people in this particular example of of, of eating meat or, or only uh, abstaining from meat. The Lord has bought both individuals by his precious blood. Um, both individuals have been made new in Christ, and now they can have unity in Christ. Uh, we stand and fall before our masters, and the Lord is the one who is making us stand in such unity. It is by the Lord that we are able to stand in his amazing grace, and we are able to have peace with our masters as well as unity with our brothers. Now, one important clarification. Uh, we should not 
attempt to use these verses as a justification not to call our brothers and sisters in Christ to repent when they sin. I've seen many people try to use verses like these, where it's talking about not passing judgment as a a tool for deflection whenever you bring up sin in their lives, when they're committing unrepentant sin and, and you call them to repentance, you rebuke them and they say, oh, well, what about this Romans verse that says you shouldn't pass judgment on me? One, that's that's not what judgment is. But two, if someone ever attempts to uh, use this verse to that means of justification, don't let them because they, they are not doing it properly. They're not using the verse or the word judgment properly. We can see uh, as an example in Galatians 6.1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted to. Luke 17, verses 3 through 4, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns you to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. <clears throat> so, uh, rebuke your brothers and sisters uh, in Christ in a spirit of gentleness when they sin, but uh, don't pass judgment onto them in such matters. Um, it, it, do not judge your brothers for abstaining from food or um, or not abstaining from food. Let them stand before their master who bought them. Show them proper love. Um, you are brothers and sisters in Christ. You were brought. You were bought by the same master. You are both able to stand in his um, his precious grace. Um, Romans fourteen verses five through six. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since, she gives, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So, we're now seeing Paul's uh, second example, in addition to the dietary restrictions. Um, the observance of certain days being better um, out of religious um, obligation or such religious holy days. Now, in terms of clarification, this is most likely not referring to the Sabbath day, and more so referring to the Jewish observation of, of special holy days throughout the year and you can can look them up you can look up jewish holy days and there'll be a calendar with with all the holy days that they observe um but if this was in regards to the sabbath it would have been it would be talking about a man regarding the sabbath above other days rather than the more generally used term of days it's it's very it's very non-specific but um an important principle that we also find here um, that we uh, saw um, used previously in Romans 4, uh, 21, um, that is being fully convinced in your own mind. Um, do not have your conscience be burdened in matters such as this. If you abstain, then be fully convinced and abstain. If you do not abstain, then be fully convinced and do not abstain. What is crucially important as well is that in all that you do, 
give honor and thanks to the Lord. Eat in honor to the Lord and give thanks to him. Abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to him. Give glory and honor and thanks to the Lord in all that you do. It doesn't matter if you are weak or strong in your faith. It doesn't matter if you don't eat certain foods. It doesn't matter how you regard certain days. What matters is being fully convinced of your conviction in your mind and giving honor and thanks to the Lord in all that you do. Do not abstain or do not eat to give honor or thanks to yourself, but abstain uh, or eat to give honor and thanks to the Lord. The Lord is at the helm of our lives, and we should always give honor and thanks to him. This calls back even further or back to Romans 12, where we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice, we should not seek sin, but even furthermore, we should, um, but even furthermore, us acting as a living sacrifice involves giving glory and honor and thanks to the Lord in all things that we do. And I think this extends further than just food or just days. Um, we should be properly giving glory to God and giving honor to God and giving thanks to God. But in this particular example, um, give him glory, honor, and thankfulness in, in either situation. doesn't matter if, if you disagree on it. Do not be quarrelsome over it. And uh, even furthermore, give him honor and give him thanks. Romans 14, verses 7 through 9. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live, whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. We as Christians, we do not live to ourselves, and just in the same manner, we do not die to ourselves. We are living sacrifices presented to the Lord. We live to the Lord, and in our lives, we seek to further reflect Christ and turn away from sin. We are seeking to live to the Lord and follow him by faith through his precious grace. And even furthermore, um, living to the Lord comes with a greater extent to death. If we live to the Lord, then so shall we die to the Lord. Uh, we have been bought by the Lord. He is our master, and we are adopted into his holy and perfect family, whether living or dead. By the virtue of the Lord being uh, the master who bought us, we are still living or dying to him and not ourselves. F further implication of this is, is amazing. Uh, Christ's death and resurrection, his death then back to life, is what has bought us with his precious blood. Now, since we have been bought by the blood of Christ, we are not disowned in death, but he holds on to us. He holds on to his beloved. He holds on to his bride, and we rejoice with him in heaven forever. Death does not separate us from the blood of Christ. We are the Lord's both in life and death. It is not a agreement, uh, or is not a, um, what's the word? I'll just use agreement for now. It is not an agreement like um, like marriages on earth, or I guess the, the marital covenant is not that same way where it's death do you part. No, the, the, the covenant that you are under with God, being bought by his precious blood and being the bride of Christ, death does not separate you from that. It is not the same. It goes even further, and you rejoice with him in heaven.
uh, Romans 14, verses 10 through 12. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account to himself to God. Uh, we as Christians are, are not the ones to pass judgment. That right belongs to Christ. There is no need to judge and despise your brother, for we will all be in the same situation. We will all be before the judgment seat. Uh, Paul quotes here from Isaiah 45 verses 23. Or verse 23. And we also see the same thing in Philippians 2, 10 through 11 and 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Each of us will stand before the judgment seat of God. Everyone will give an account of himself to God. Uh, there are those who will be rendered according to their own sinful works and they will be judged accordingly. Then there will be those who will be rendered according to the works of Christ who has bought them with his precious blood. Um, do not pass judgment upon your brothers and sisters in Christ. That right belongs to Christ. It won't be just your brothers and your sisters in Christ answering before the judgment seat. It will be all of humanity answering to the Lord over answering to the Lord who reigns over all on high. Every knee, not just some, all knees will be bowed and they will all confess to the Lord. So praise the Lord for his salvation of utterly sinful man. Praise the Lord that in him we may have peace upon his grace. Praise the Lord that we that because we are bought by his precious blood, that we can have unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It is by his precious blood that we are united. Praise the Lord that we have that we are bought by him, both in life and death, that we are not abandoned when our bodies give out, and instead we continue in his holy and precious family, able to delight with him in heaven forevermore. Praise the Lord that he is the righteous judge over all, that we as Christians do not bear the responsibility of perfect judgment, that the perfect judgment of the Lord may be displayed over all of humanity. Glory to God in all things, whether that be through eating or abstaining, um, that we may honor and give thanks to him. Glory be to God in his redemption of man. Glory be to God in his perfect judgment of man or judgment over man, whether his judgment is displayed through perfect and righteous condemnation or through his wonderful and perfect grace that has bought us so that we may glorify him forevermore. Glory and praise be to the Lord in all things, both in life and in death, um, both in times of rejoicing and times of suffering. Praise the Lord. All right. That is uh, all I have uh, for these verses. Um, is there any questions or comments before I pray for us? If you have a question, you can either raise your hand in the voice chat, Graceful Fire, coming in clutch with the, with the question, always ready. Or you can type it in the Bible study chat. Either one works. Always ready. Um, all right. So I got a question about verse four. Verse four. Um, where it says... Um, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's, it is before his own master that's, that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So 
I, I guess kind of reading it there kind of cleared up my question a little bit. But is that man's master, the Lord, or is it talking specifically about, or not specifically, but is it talking about someone who may be lost, who their master is sin? I think this case is more particular to the Lord, but I do think that um, you could use this as a principle to uh, show that if your master is sin, then you're going to be standing before sin. You are going to be living to sin and, and dying to sin. Whereas if you or your master is the Lord, you're going to be living to the Lord and dying to the Lord. Well, I don't think that that is the case here because um, this is talking about uh, someone who is strong in their faith and weak in their faith. And both of them have been uh, bought by the, the same master. Um, that's um, Both of them are able to honor and give thanks to the Lord in what they do. I don't think this is necessarily talking about that. But I do think that the principle can be extended there. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, like, I thought a reading again kind of cleared up the confusion, but I still uh, asked it just because. Still just got to ask the question. Got to fill up the yeah. time. Got to fill up the time. Um, also on verse 7. Verse 7. Uh, about, you, you said it wasn't specifically talking about holy days. Uh, read the verse, verse 7. Uh, where are you? For none uh, of uh, of us live to himself, and none of us die to himself. Oh, wait, that's not verse 7. Verse 6. One... Oh, verse 6. My bad. Uh, the one who observes the day observes wait, it Wait, it might be verse 5. Lord. Uh, it's, I think it's verse seven, or verse 6. Okay. Um, it's the one about the holy days. Or, yeah, the holy days. Um, so you, you said it's not pertain talking about the Sabbath, because... Is it because it uses the word days? That's uh, that's going to be the, the general way I, I would go with it, because uh, what I would say is if it was talking about the Sabbath, it would be very talking about in regards to the Sabbath. If one man holds the Sabbath uh, in a higher regard over other days. Now, I mean, it, it wouldn't be the worst argument to say that this could be pertaining to the Sabbath. I didn't really want to necessarily get into that, but... um. I think that it's more so the case that it's talking about um, the the Jewish holidays that were happening because with a lot of these people who were previously Jewish, and the same goes with um uh, with the dietary restrictions of this would be ap applying to a lot of people who were previously Jewish and who would not eat pork and who would abstain from pork, and now um, Paul is saying that uh, that no thing is going is unclean. Um, and that you don't have to abstain from pork anymore. And then the same in regards to uh, the holy days of, of um, the, the Jewish holidays, essentially. I can't remember them off the top of my head. I think Yom Kippur is one of them. Um, Yom Kippur. I might be misremembering Jewish holy days. Uh, you just throw I, an insult out. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you have Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Uh, Scott, I don't know how to say that. Uh, sh there's, there's, there's other ones here that I don't know how to pronounce half of these, but um, I think it's more so pertaining to those types of holy days and not specifically the Sabbath, because I think whenever you see the Sabbath being talked about, 
the Bible, it's it's usually saying like it's usually making clear that it's talking about the Sabbath. Okay. Um would you say maybe like a seventh day Adventist? Wait, uh or maybe not even that, just people who celebrate say church on Sundays or Mondays. Um would, do you think they would use that first to try and uh, justify it, or do they just say, ah, we're not tradition, so we can do what we want type of thing? I have no clue how the Seventh-day Adventists do it. Uh, they, they probably, there's probably two options. Um, one would be they're just holding to the uh, historically Jewish day of Sabbath, as opposed to the, the Christian day of Sabbath, which, um, yeah, the, the, the Christian Sabbath is changed because of uh, the death and resurrection of Christ is is raised on Sunday, and Sunday is the Lord's day. It's centered around the cross, whereas the the Jewish day of Sabbath is established from the the Old Testament, um, and in creation, God resting. But yeah, it's I, I'm not sure which way that the Seventh Day Adventists go. Like I said, they they could use it as an argument. Um, there's probably better verses that might go for what they're doing more, but um, I honestly don't know a ton about the Seventh-day Adventists, so I can't speak too firmly on what they believe in. Yeah, I uh, I said Seventh-day Adventists, but I was more like, like just say someone, like say some, some non-denominational churches will say have church on Monday or something like that. Uh, is that wrong to have church on that day, or is it just good that they're having church in general? It's probably good that they're just having church in general. I would probably ask them questions of why they do it on Monday or what's the particular reason. Um, if they have none, it might be kind of weird, I guess, but I don't think it's necessarily something to quarrel over. Like, I think it might it would fall into into this if they are just not meeting at all. Because they're like, oh, I mean, all days are are the same, so we, that means that we don't have to meet for church. It'd be kind of like, okay, hold on, back up a second. That <laughs> that, that doesn't, then? yeah, How do you even have a church. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's like what, like you're still supposed to to gather together, but, um, I would be kind of more, I guess, confused with them, but I don't think that's necessarily sinful. I'm speaking very loosely because. I am also not super firm on my theology of, of the Sabbath and what it fully entails um, or how it's, I suppose, properly fulfilled in Christ of does it have to be Sunday? Maybe, maybe not. Brian, Sunday's a good day, but, um, you know, uh, it's, uh, and it's it's centered around, like I said, the, the, the resurrection, but... Uh, our, our Sabbath is properly fulfilled in resting and gathering together in Christ's name. But, um, so does that mean you can do it on Monday? Maybe. That's a, that's a roundabout way of, of answering the question. Okay. Th thank you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> All right. We got, we got pain. So let's get pain up here. Hello, pain. Hey, Gustin. I had a question. Go for um, it. When you're, because I've been thinking about Yom Kippur, which is the Day of the Atonement. And I was like, oh, couldn't I practice it as a Christian? Like a remembrance of the Atonement of Christ? Um, Yom Kippur. I, 
I do not know much about the Jewish holidays. Um, the Day of Atonement. Uh, so, I guess it depends on... I would say that, that Jewish people are probably celebrating it for a different reason than you would as a Christian. Um, yeah. Mainly because the Jewish people will deny the uh, the cross and the the godhood of Christ and and his um, his role as, as a high priest um, in his sacrifice. So they would definitely celebrate in a different reason. But I mean, if you want to celebrate Yom Kippur in a altered Christian version to where you're celebrating Christ's atonement, and that's almost just kind of like Easter. Um, I don't. I don't think it's it's necessarily bad to do. Um, uh, it doesn't um, like if you're glorifying God in in either way. I guess, and that's kind of the application of of these verses is to um, is to glorify God no matter um, no matter which thing you decide on. I suppose just be be fully convinced in your conscience about it to glorify God about it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Is there any other questions before before I pray for us? One's raising their hand. No one's typing. Let me pray for us and we can be done. Lord, um, I thank you for this time that we're able to uh, read your wonderful and perfect and holy word and that we can just see uh, how to be a proper unity with each other and how to uh, operate in Christian love with each other, uh, not seeking to provide uh, judgment or to despise our brother. Judgment is in the hands of you, Lord, but that uh, we will seek to, to show proper love to them and that we will seek to glorify you in, in either way that we go, or that whether strong of faith or weak of faith, that we will be able to glorify you, to honor you, to give thanks to you in all that we do. Um, I just pray for us as we go throughout the rest of our week that we'll be able to uh, act as a living sacrifice, be able to live the Christian life, and that we'll be sanctified daily, Lord, and that um, we'll just be able to read your word every day and pray every day to glorify you in all that we do. Pray for all these things in your wonderful and holy name. Amen. Amen.